You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. I'm Stephen Simcox, your host. I want to close today's show as we start a new week with uh, some TCU basketball talk. They get a big win over LSU on Saturday. Men turn around tonight and play um, Oklahoma in another conference game on the road. So quick turnaround for them. So we'll discuss that in segment number two. But want to start today's show with some TCU football news. And we'll start in the transfer portal, which is where TCU has been very active uh, the last few months. And they added some more talent on Sunday. Um, Traylon Smith, who's a running back from Arkansas, took to Twitter on Sunday afternoon and revealed that he's committed to play football at TCU next season. So Smith, uh, in 2021, for the Razorbacks, had 119 carries, 598 yards, and five touchdowns. Had 710 yards in 2020. Uh, before that, played at Arizona State, so this will be his third school. But Smith was more of a depth guy at Arkansas. Uh, however, he really put up some big numbers in the COVID shortened year of 2020. Also was productive in 2021. And I've been surprised. I mean, to a certain extent, I'm sure this is just the coaching staff's philosophy on it is. Just go get talent, right? Just go get players. It doesn't really matter what position necessarily. You need to stack your roster with as many talented guys as possible. So you, you got a dude like Smith, you go get him. Um, they also added Imani Bailey this offseason, who is from Louisiana. And he had 102 carries for 642 yards and eight touchdowns this past season. They lost Zach Evans. He's now headed to Ole Miss. And Zach's an incredible talent. He was productive for them when he was healthy. But if I was kind of grading, like, immediate needs, I would honestly have running back kind of lower on the list. Because Kendra Miller is very more than serviceable. You know, he's been a starter in the past. Amari DiMercato coming back. I know he's a super senior and has some limitations, but a good depth guy to have. You know, we'll see what happens with DeMarque Foster um, and his injury as the season starts. But with those two guys and then Foster and maybe you add a young player, I really didn't think they were hurting necessarily in the running back department. But they go get Bailey, they go get Smith, and now you have a really talented running back room. I mean, between... Braylon uh, Smith, between Imani Bailey and then Kendra Miller, you're talking about a, a group that could really make some special things happen. Now, one thing that caught my eye about Smith when I was just sort of combing through his stats, they didn't really use him in this capacity last season. But in 2020, he had 22 catches for 159 yards, which is not eye-popping numbers, but it's about seven or eight yards per catch. <clears throat> so maybe that's something they can do with him. You know, Sonny Dykes at SMU – and Garrett Rowling's offense, they ran the ball well. Now, when I, I think when most people think of Sonny, they think of the air raid, they think of the quarterback first. But they were a physical team that could run the football. And I feel like that's obviously going to be a huge part of what they want to do and try to do in Fort Worth at TCU. But um, that's a three-headed monster there that can really go. And I was talking about DiMercato earlier, and you know, part of me thinks now, like, what is he? What's, where's his mindset at? as the season starts, is he's got a couple guys in front of him that have been very productive at Power 5 schools. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, the 
the depth and the additions there, I think, have been really smart. And, you know, not necessarily the group that I thought would be hurting for immediate help, but they're making things happen there. And the staff continues to, even though this high school cycle has been a little disappointing, and I'll share a note here in a second about a young man that they were interested in that has other plans. Um, I think they've done a really good job in the transfer portal of finding players that mix and match well with the, the current talent they have, can get on the field right away, and can make things happen. So Traylon Smith from Arkansas added to the fold as they continue to try and stack up um, talented players in the transfer portal, and we'll keep an eye on what they do next moving forward. Uh, another note, a, a player that I mentioned, I think it was about a week ago when he got a TCU offer, Koi Eakin, he is a wide receiver from Stephenville. Now, TCU seemed to have plans to move him to defense. Joe Gillespie was really the lead recruiter when it came to Koi, but uh, I was excited about this, and you know, at the end of the day, he wasn't a highly rated recruit. His other offers were like North Texas, Texas Tech. That doesn't mean he's not going to be a good player. But this was not like a, a four-star wide receiver coming out of high school. I just I saw him play a little bit at, at Stephenville. I thought he was a dude that could make things happen. Um, I was intrigued by the idea of moving him to defense, what that looks like. Could he play safety? Could he play some sort of hybrid position in Joe Gillespie's defense? However... He committed to Texas Tech uh, Saturday night. So it looks like he'll be joining Joey McGuire. And I, my first thought on that is I think he probably wants to play wide receiver. And, you know, he showed some things in high school that would lead you to believe that he could do that. Um, I imagine that the coaching staff there is going to let him do that, let him give it a go. So that was probably the deciding factor. So that's a target that as we move towards signing day, uh, here in early February that is is now essentially off the board. Unless they can somehow flip him, you know, in the next few days. But um, not devastating. It's just sometimes you get caught up in in one player or one position that's like, man, I wish they could address that or I wish they could get that guy. And I really thought uh, Egan was a dude that could come in and develop into a, a really good player. And I was hopeful that he would share the same vision the staff did as far as, you know, what his next move is. But at the end of the day, that didn't happen. So he's going to go out to West Texas, play for Joe McGuire, play for Texas Tech. Tech's done a nice job. They've taken a different approach sort of with this transitional offseason. Of course, they have had more time um, to get their feet under them. But they're really taking anybody and everybody and pushing hard to get as many, you know, scholarship bodies in there as possible. That's not necessarily the approach TCU has taken. Uh, we'll see how it works out for both schools when the fall rolls around. When we come back, TCU basketball, they bounce back against LSU. That's next on Locked on Horned Frogs. Okay, let's wrap up a Monday edition of Locked on Horned Frogs. So, last week on Wednesday night, it was a great atmosphere, and it felt like, so TCU played Texas, TCU basketball played Texas, as you guys know. And it felt like one of those games where I wasn't going into it just thinking, oh, guaranteed dub. Like, they're going to win easily. But it just seemed on the surface, and, you know, I am I'm someone who 
I make decisions about sports, like predictions, that type of thing, more on gut feeling than matchups, which maybe that's a dumb way to approach it. I don't know. I like breaking things down. I like matchups, but especially in basketball with the ebbs and flows of a long season, oftentimes I'm just sort of like, okay, what's the scenario here? How are these teams playing? You know, what, what game are they just coming off of? And you go on the road, you get a big win against Iowa State, and you could sort of feel and sense throughout the weekend and through the early part of the week, all right, let's pack out the arena, let's get ready, you know, let's, and maybe this was too, whatever night it was. Let's make this a tough place for Texas to play. So it just, it felt like, okay, this is going to be great. They're going to come out with great energy. They're going to play fantastic. And I'm watching, you know, students pile into the arena. And it was it was honestly, before the game, a super proud moment. And sorry we didn't talk about it on Wednesday, but had the Lockdown Big 12 Roundtable. But, I mean, I remember being a student and sitting through an 0-18 conference season with Trent Johnson and being one of the few people that was in the stands on any given night to watch those teams play. So it was it was like, wow, this is huge. Like, this is just a huge moment for the school, for the university, for TCU basketball. And then they just went and fell in their face. I mean, it, it was, I think the encouraging part of it was that it was such a bad performance that it wasn't even like you came away from it thinking, oh, Texas exposed TCU's fatal flaw. I mean, they just played terribly, right? Like, they just played an awful 40 minutes of basketball. Got run out of the gym by Chris Beard. I do wonder if Jamie Dixon has a Chris Beard problem. I wanted to see how they did against Texas Tech because they've been destroyed by Texas Tech through the last few seasons. And I still want to see that because I think Mark Adams is sort of just stabilize that culture there and let them go to a different place. But anyway, they played poorly. It was their worst performance of the year. So now one of the good stuff. I didn't know how they were going to respond on Saturday. I really didn't. And they're hosting the number 19 LSU Tigers in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. It's the first game of that slate. It's on national television. And they go out and they win 77-68, and they basically led wire to wire. They were up 38-29 at halftime. Chuck O'Bannon caught fire early in the second half, hit three threes in a row. And that put them up, I believe, like 50-34. to And then LSU came storming back. The officials got involved. There were some calls against TCU that seemed a little ticky-tack. But all of a sudden, with about 10 minutes to go, it's a two-point game. And you're thinking, all right, here we go again. But TCU was able to figure out and stabilize themselves and go on a run and keep their distance, make some plays late in the game. Mike Miles had a nice pass to Damian Ball on a drive that sort of sealed it. And then Fran uh, Fabello dumping it down to um, Emmanuel Miller for a dunk late. And they won the game. And it's another huge win. It's a quad one win against a ranked team at home. <clears throat> so, one thing about this basketball team. They're 4-0 coming off losses this season. And 
they've just found a way to respond. And even in games, right? Like they'll take a double digit lead like they did Saturday. They'll give it up. It looks like it's dire. It looks like it's bad, but they, they just kind of find their footing and keep playing and find a way to, they found a way to win a lot of games this year. So this was a big victory. This week they play Oklahoma and uh, Kansas State. Oklahoma tonight and Kansas State over the weekend. So a chance if you can go 2-0 in that stretch to get to 5-3 and in conference play, which would be a big deal. I like the rhythm and effort that this team displayed on Saturday, and I hope it carries over. Mike Miles was good. He had 19 points. He was tied with Chuck O'Bannon for you know the leading scorer in that game. 6 of 14 from the field, 0 of 3 from 3. But he had some big shots, like in rhythm, you know, dribbling, pulling up, long twos, getting in the lane, have some tough finishes. He was quiet for most of the second half, but in the last few minutes he had some big buckets. He had that big pass to ball for a bucket. He made good decisions. He looked much closer to the Mike Miles vault. And I think the rest of the guys on the team have just sort of figured out what they need to do. Like Damian Ball is finding a way to score 10 to 12 points a game. Chuck O'Bannon is a spot-up shooter. He shot the ball really well Saturday. Eddie Lampkin's an energy guy, is an effort guy, gives you good minutes. Has a big Emmanuel Miller just sort of does a little bit of everything. He had a couple jumpers on Saturday. He started the year as a big-time scorer. Now he's more of a rebounder defender gonna scrap around get his points when he can Micah Peavy had a couple tough buckets and he's just an all-world defender I like where this group is right now and we'll see if they can keep it going the consistency has been lacking at times but one thing that you have to say they've found a way to get up off the mat every time it looks like they're gonna go on a two, three, four-game losing streak and just fall completely out of this, they said, no, that's all right. We're going to keep it rolling. And I love their response against LSU after that demoralizing loss to Texas. We'll keep you uh, updated on CCU basketball and football all through the week. This is Locked on Horn Frogs, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.